0: Love, talk, radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 64 of the No Look Past Podcast presented by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us and we appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, who took a LeBron James month DMP rest vacation. I got my co-host with me, Andy Flint, so it was good.
1: And I'm like the old dude, I should be getting the rest here.
0: I guess I did too. Yeah, you, you should get the... You should get the Tim Duncan DMP old, but you know I, I just went I just went the LeBron route on you. Uh, we got a ton to get to on our show. We do apologize for our little hiatus there. You know people do uh, people got moves to make, things to do. Uh, but we have a ton of things to get to. Obviously, we're going to talk about the MVP race exclusively. We, we'll save our other awards for another time, and then we want to get into a uh, playoff preview. You know, go through all the series, who we think is going to win, any upsets on the on the horizon, things like that. Uh, but first, Andy. The MVP race, um, I titled this episode uh, for reasons that we will explain later. Could Steph Curry win the MVP? We'll click bait, we'll click bait for the title. Um, but we are going to talk about this year's MVP race. Um, my first question for you is, is it a two-man race like everybody thinks it is in your mind? Absolutely. I-,
1: I think, and it's it's hard to say that in a sense because Kawhi Leonard putting in absolute work. But I still have him as the game set about or as 50 Cent said about the game once, he's around the corner, down the street. And I just think it's because of the the great seasons turned in by Westbrook and Harden. It's too hard to look anywhere else.
0: I would would have to agree, though I do have a theory as to um, the actual voting, how I think it's going to go. That might give Kawhi a chance. Um, But in terms of my personal feelings, I do believe that it is also a two-man race between Westbrook and Harden. Anybody talking about LeBron, I think, you know, the, the, the month of March just completely canceled LeBron out. You can finish in the two seed. And, you know, basically not only finishing in the two seed, because I know people are going to say, well, you know, Houston is a three seed, no KC is, but whatever. But you had, a, you had a lead on the one seed, and then you just basically gave it away in March. I don't think you can talk about LeBron for MVP at this point. Um, so that's going to get us to the question, uh, who do you got and why between the two? Is it easy for you? So do you have a clear winner? Do you do you feel like it's it's a sort of a more of a debate for you personally?
1: I mean, you would think, um, you know, knowing who you're speaking to, that I would yeah. have a very easy answer, but I don't. And I, I mean, would. I've maintained for much of the season that I really thought James Harden had a slight advantage. I, I've said it numerous times on social media to various people, but I really think that last couple of weeks locked it up for Westbrook. Um, you know, some of the things to consider here are the Rockets have the better record, and I know everybody's talking about that. And the Rockets have that. They're actually having that season I kind of thought was off the wall at the beginning of the year that I predicted to be my, you know, kind of wacky prediction. And, you know, they they did it. They three seed in the West is nothing to look away from. And it, it's phenomenal. His season is statistical outputs are just eye-popping but to average the triple-double I, I just never thought it was going to happen and not only that but if you look at the the way these two teams are constructed I mean to me the Oklahoma City Thunder look like a team that might have won in the early 2000s or like the late 90s they have some you know big guys with Taj Gibson and Adams and Ennis and Kanter but they don't really have the shooting that you need to to win games now and if you look at the Rockets to me Harden has like the most perfect team that anyone could possibly imagine and the most perfect coach to play within that system so to me I see the things that Westbrook's doing and I'm like man Westbrook's kind of doing this with an odd team Victor Oladipo can't shoot the ball I mean if you can name me three guys on that team that are reliable three-point shooters I'll give you the money in my pocket which isn't going to be much right yeah. because I'm wearing shorts and I don't have any power, but <laughs>
0: I think nothing I think against Harden because is, I think Harden's
1: been phenomenal.
0: Right, I think their best shooter is honestly Alex Abrines, and I think that's really all you have to say about Westbrook shooters around him. Uh, even though Alex Abrines is a pretty good shooter, but he, I mean, he really doesn't do much else. Uh, so, listen, I hear the James Harden case for people, and I've gotten to the point where I wouldn't even be mad if he won because, you know, pretty much for most of the season, I was like. Dude, if Russell Westbrook happens is a triple-double, I don't even want to hear about anybody else's name ever. Like, that's it. It's over. Um, but I've gotten to the point where I feel like people have made a solid case for James Harden, and if it, like, if it pops up on my screen on the little, the little ticker, James Harden wins MVP, I'm going to be, like, sad for Westbrook just because I feel like he deserves it, but I'm not going to be, like, infuriated. Like, I feel like I would have been even a month or a month and a half ago. But when it comes down to – to me is I think that all of Westbrook's flaws as an MVP candidate are also Harden's flaws. So, I mean, they both turn the ball over. They both have high usage. They both play minimal defense. I mean, the Rockets Rockets do, like you said, have a better record, but it's, like you said, only because they have a better team that fits Harden absolutely perfectly. I don't think he could have fell into a, a better situation. And that's why I think that Kawhi sort of has a better case either guy because you can make the case for Kawhi versus Harden or Kawhi versus Westbrook better than you can make the the case for Harden versus Westbrook because they are so similar. So if you're a voter that is going to say, well, I value both sides of the ball, so if you don't play defense, then I'm not voting for you. You're voting for Kawhi Leonard, and I understand that, and it makes sense based on your criteria why you would vote for Kawhi Leonard for MVP, which is why I think he's going to get – I think Kawhi will get a fair amount of first-place votes for MVP, Um, and I think you might find a situation where it's almost like, Westbrook and Harden are like two superstars on the same team where people have such similar criteria that they end up splitting votes between them because they can't really decide based on their criteria who to vote for Westbrook or Harden. Whereas if you have a criteria that's going to allow you to vote for Kawhi, it's pretty much only going to allow you to vote for Kawhi Leonard.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I do see the argument and it's a shame too, that Kawhi Leonard, you know, is happening to have the season he's having, Right now, because I think there are a lot of seasons where Kawhi Leonard could have won the MVP. Um, You know, phenomenal. There's not enough good things I can say about Kawhi Leonard, the defense, but one thing I do look at is he plays for the Spurs. He plays on a team that has a bunch of solid talent around him, best coach in the NBA. I think you could say, hey, if I put Russell Westbrook or James Harden on the Spurs, that team's probably just as good. And that's the one thing I think for Harden, too, that kind of has me swaying away from him towards the end of the season is I think probably the top seven or eight players in the league, you might be able to plug into that system and come up with, you know, 55 wins or something like that, or, you know, 52 wins, they get in there and they're a a solid top to bottom team just because of the shooting. And it's not only the shooting, there are guys that are shooting, Eric Gordon, uh, Trevor Ariza, even a guy like Pat Beverly. These guys are also terrific defenders and, you know, I don't know if right. a lot of people know this, but Eric Gordon puts the ball on the ground again, and he goes to the basket sometimes, too. He's not just shooting threes. But, you know, that aside, I, I got to I, – I really it, – it was the last two weeks with Westbrook. I was kind of, you know, being like, I don't want to be biased because everybody knows I really like Westbrook. But it, it just – I mean, what do you have, like seven triple doubles in a row? And just just crazy. Yeah. I mean, to pass Will on Very the all-time good. list, to, to average it, to break Oscar's record – uh, to hit that dagger of a three against Denver when nobody wanted the ball. Right. All the Thunder players were running away from the ball. And Steven Adams was like, let me find Westbrook. And Westbrook's just like, oh, ah, I'll make this Steph Curry shot. No problem.
0: Yeah, and, and to your Kawhi point, I think it does hurt him a little bit that he didn't lead the Spurs to a 61-win season. He led them to another 61-win season. It's like, oh, the, <laughs> man, these the Spurs, they always do this. It's not like – you know, it's not as impressive as like, let's say, you know, if, if the Rockets won 61 games, they'd be like, oh my God, the Rockets won 61 games, they never do that. But it's like, oh, it's the Spurs, of course they're good. And it, it's almost unfortunate for Kawhi that that sort of works against him, that he's he sort of is, is not benefiting from the fact that, oh, we're, we just expect the Spurs to do this, so it's not as impressive when they do it. That's not really fair. Uh, and by the way, did we mention... That's the fairest point the way, ever. Yeah, did we mention that Russell Westbrook averaged a triple double while leading the league in scoring? And I already hear, I already hear everybody. Well, Oscar didn't win it when he averaged a triple double. Well, let's 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 go down. Um, a, he didn't lead the league in scoring when he did it. B, Bill Russell averaged 19 and 23 on the far and away best team in the league that season, the Celtics. C, Wilt averaged 50 and 25 that season. <laughs> and D, there were nine teams in the league and no day-to-day game planning against opponents. I don't want to hear it, Russell Westbrook. Triple-double, led the league in scoring. I can't get past it. He's my MVP. Um, as I said, James Harden, if you win, I'll, I'll be happy for you, but I'll probably be more sad for for Russell Westbrook. Um, but real quick, something I wanted to get into that I haven't really heard in many MVP discussions is, obviously, the big discussion this season is, like, all these individual attributes that people have reached. You know, James Harden's the first player to average his numbers, basically, Russell Westbrook obviously the first person to do what he's done. Even John Wall had his first person to average as many assists and steals and points as he has. Um, but we already had one last season with Steph Curry breaking the three-point record, um, you know, leading his team to the best record in NBA history. Where do you think Steph – let's just say the scenario was instead of KD going to Golden State this off-season, he went to, like, Botswana and, and pulled, like, a Ricky Williams and Dave Chappelle and just wanted to, like, smoke hashish, you know, in a village, and he just didn't exist. Uh, and let's just say that Steph Curry, you know, did what he did last season and he just did it this season. Um, where do you think that he would rank in the MVP standings this year?
1: Oh, it's so hard, too. I mean, in assuming they had, like, the, the record-breaking season they had right. with the wins last yes. year. Yes. I mean, yes. that's tough. I mean, because you're talking, like, uh, Steph averaged, like, 35 – points, five rebounds – Close to seven assists or something like that. A uh, couple steals. Didn't turn the ball over nearly as much as Harden or Westbrook. And he shot like lights out. I'm looking at 90% from the stripe, 45% from deep, and, and 50% from the field, which the, the field in the three point line dwarfs what both Westbrook and Harden did because. I mean, their field goal percentages weren't great at something like 42 and 45, I think. And obviously they they shot decent numbers from three, but not in the 40s. I I don't know. That's really tough. I mean, I almost feel like I would take Steph's season slightly over Harden's, but maybe still a little behind Westbrook. I don't know. It's tough. Maybe, Maybe Steph's the MVP this year if he does what he did last year.
0: That's sort of my, my hot take. I feel like Steph would be MVP this year. If, if, if all things were equal and he broke and his team broke the wins record because that would be the big case against Westbrook would be his team has 47 wins and this team just broke the record for the most wins in an NBA season ever, I feel like Steph Curry would win. I feel like he would win the MVP this season if, if his season last season was duplicated you know, this season. Um, so that's, that's my hot take. I feel like it's an interesting discussion. I haven't seen many people have it. I would like for other people to have it. And, uh, I'm, I'm curious what other people think about it, but from here we are going to transition Andy to our playoff preview and we're just going to go down each series, pretty much give who we think wins and why, you know, nothing really too extensive because we don't have a lot of time. Um, but, but we will get into some logistics obviously as we disagree or agree on certain things. Um, The first series I'm going to get into is we're going to go Eastern Conference first and the 1-8 matchup, which a lot of people think is upset potential. They have sort of Boston on the upset alert. So what do you think of this Boston-Chicago series, 1-8?
1: First, let me ask you, is it super disrespectful that people think Chicago at 500 is just going to come in here and beat Boston? And not only are you going to do that, but they're going to do it without the home court advantage. I feel like this is the most disrespectful people have been to a one seed in a while because I was seeing it on Twitter today too. And while I do think that Chicago is, is capable of winning some games, I, I, I just, what's your take? Do you think that's a little disrespectful?
0: Well, I I think it's disrespectful in the fact that I heard a lot of Miami chatter if they got the eight seed to sort of upset Boston. And now since it's not Miami, we just plugged in the other team that got the eight seed and they think they're going to upset Boston. I think that's more disrespectful (laughs) than anything else. Just like whoever gets the eight seed, we're just going to say that they might upset Boston. Um, But to be honest, I think think Boston's going to win. But I think they need to be careful and not take Chicago lightly. You know, it's different when you become the hunted. You know, they're the one seed. I don't think Brad Stevens will let them do that because I think he's too good of a coach. But if they give any slack, I do think Jimmy Butler is the best player in this series and they might have a dogfight on their hands if, if they don't be careful. I have Boston in five. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see it go six or even seven, but I do have Boston in five personally.
1: And I have Boston in six. I, I absolutely agree with you that Jimmy Butler is the best player in this series. And that's no disrespect to my little homie, Isaiah. I, I love Isaiah. But I think what you're going to get from the Celtics is you're going to get a lot of Isaiah. We see him in the fourth quarter. We see a lot of Isaiah in the fourth quarter. Um, even if you need to stand up on your chair to notice him, he's there, and he's busting people's asses. And then you got Al Horford, who, you know, he's been here a bunch of times. I mean, Al Horford has been in the playoffs. He's been in the league a long time. I think you need that kind of player to hold your team together. He's the glue. So I, I just think there's there's still too much dysfunction in the way Chicago plays for me to say they're going to beat the Celtics so six games I do I think they're going to win I I think they'll win a couple
0: yeah and I think you made the best point it's basically the most stable team in the league Boston like the most consistent chemistry things like that against the most unstable playoff team in the league and the most unstable team possibly in the whole league in Chicago because I have no (laughs) idea what they're going to do and what to expect from them nothing surprises me about Chicago at this point Uh, we're going to move on Uh, Cleveland at Indiana uh, born ready back to ear blowing I'm so excited (laughs) Uh, Paul George came on in the second half of the season and proved that he still lost him. Cleveland has too much firepower for me, and I hopefully feel like they've been napping through the last month of the season just so they can sweep this first round and get some rest. I think they do it. I have uh, Cleveland sweeping.
1: Uh, I have Cleveland in five. I, think, um, I, I feel like we're going to get a big Paul George game where Lance Stevenson yes. is enough of an irritant that they win a game and i i think they're going to push for two maybe i don't think they'll win the second one i'm calling it in five but i think they're going to push cleveland a couple times we have seen cleveland lost to atlanta like two games in a row which is you can't do that i mean it's atlanta and i i don't know i do think that these games are going to be a lot closer than people think um i'm not sure i think indiana might have beat them once in the regular season out of four meetings i, I think it was one in one and three for indiana but yeah, I do think we get a big Paul George game. And I do want to thank Paul George for going off the week after I would have played him in the semifinals for fantasy basketball because I couldn't have handled that work, not without KD. So, yeah, Cleveland at
0: five. I, I think that's fair. I don't think anybody really thinks the uh, Pacers stand much of a chance. Uh, Toronto and Milwaukee, uh, the three versus six matchup. Andy, what do you think about this series? Mm, I,
1: th- this one kind of had me a little bit. Um. I do think Toronto's going to win, but I do think that Milwaukee's kind of young enough and they run enough and they do enough of the things to me that could hurt Toronto and they have enough of a roster that kind of negates the things that Toronto wants to do that I think that this series is going to seven. I have Toronto in seven.
0: So this is a very interesting series for me. For Toronto, there's a few things that scare me. Kyle Lowry has only been back for four games. Um, he barely played in the last game, rightfully so, just because they were resting. They already had their seed. Uh, we've seen the story before with the Raptors with a non-100% lowering the playoffs. Um, a couple of years ago, I think he had a wrist injury, and, you know, it, they, they sort of imploded early. Um, also, I think Jonas Valanciunas is the most important player in this series for them, and that can easily just backfire completely on you, um, just because he is sort of unpredictable and inconsistent. Giannis, again, like Jimmy Butler, I believe is the best player in this series. But can he play like it for seven games? That'll be an interesting test for me because there's a difference between being the guy and everybody anointing you the guy and then you get into a playoff series and you actually have to prove it night in and night out. I think Jimmy Butler's gotten to the point where we feel like he can do that and he has done that before. Giannis, this is his sort of you know first experience in the playoffs with, with that sort of uh, burden on his shoulder. Uh, Chris Middleton? Has really stabilized this team with his shooting and playmaking vision that I'm confident he didn't actually have last season when I just called him a shooter at the three, the three point line. Uh, He's making a lot of plays, assists. He's he's really become like a pseudo point guard for that team. I will preface this, Andy, by saying I have not watched a ton of Raptors after the Tucker and Ibaka acquisitions. It's just not they're just not a team that I watch. I got the Bucks in six. I still love UT dot. One of the best cities I've ever been to. Uh, Bucks. I, this is my upset pick. I really, really like this Bucks team, and I like the matchup for them. Nice.
1: I was kind of hoping you'd go <laughs> with the Bucks. I, I, I mean, I've been seeing some people go with the Bucks, but and I kind of was to the point where I almost went with the Bucks, but I, I'm gonna. I usually don't give Toronto much love. I think I said before that I had no confidence in Toronto a few years ago when they played Washington in the first round, and Washington did end up beating them. But I'm I, right. I'm gonna give them a little a little more of my respect now because they've. They've been doing this for a couple of years.
0: And I, and I pick in six because I think that the Bucks have to do it in six. They have to do it at home in six. Otherwise, game seven, like you're saying, you know, if it goes to seven, I, I think Toronto will pull it out. Uh, but I think behind that home crowd in Milwaukee, you know, with being up 3-2, theoretically they would have to be in order to win it in six. Uh, I think that would be the spot where they would have to do it. Uh, Washington, Atlanta, I'm just going to go through this one quick. John Wall, that's the only reason I want to watch. Wizards in six. That's what I got. That's it? Just John Wall? But just John Wall. That's the only reason why I want to watch the series. I just want to see John Wall. I have no other interest Um, in the playoff series.
1: You know, I I kind of am interested in this one a little bit, and I'm not even sure why. I think it's because Atlanta Atlanta did a couple things at the end of the season that kind of reopened my eyes after I had fallen asleep on them. Um, And Washington kind of had that sketchy start, and they turned out pretty well. I'm going with the Wizards in six. I just think that it's going to be too much John Wall. I don't think Atlanta has anything to do to stop John Wall.
0: Yes, I, I absolutely agree. Dennis Schroeder, you, you've disappointed me. You were, like, one of my favorite players when you were coming off the bench, and now you're one of my most infuriating players now that you're a starter, and, and I just don't understand it. Uh, Golden State and Portland, we're going to move on to the West. Uh, what do you think about this series, Andy?
1: Um, I mean, I don't mean to hurt Dame Lillard's feelings because I know that he feels that they're going to win it in six, but <laughs> No. Four, it's a sweep, Golden State.
0: I like how you didn't want to disrespect Dave Lillard and then you laughed directly in his face with this prediction. Uh, (laughs) Shout out to Portland. I like the team. I like the direction. I like Yusef Nurkic. Uh, I like everything he does on the court for them. And I don't mean it as an insult when I say this will be a very entertaining sweep. I mean, it'll be like in the 110s, you know, Dane will put up 45 in one game. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great watch. It's going to be a much better watch than the six games of the Washington-Atlanta series we just talked about. Uh, but it's a sweep. It, it's, hap- it's happening. Uh, yeah. G- Goodbye, Portland. Nice, nice knowing you in the playoffs. So, this series is, yeah, San Antonio, Memphis. The Grizzlies might be the quietest playoff team I can remember in the last 10 years. Like, did did they play the games this season? I don't remember seeing any Grizzlies games. I don't remember seeing them in the playoff picture. I look at the standings, like, every night. I don't remember ever seeing Memphis anywhere slotted. Uh, did we just slot them there as, out of respect for grit and grind? Did Tony Allen bully his way into Adam Silver's office to man a playoff spot? I don't I don't know what happened. Andy, how did, how did we get here? And what do you think?
1: You know, it's kind of funny. It had to get here because it has to be San Antonio versus Memphis, doesn't it? I mean, and, you know, while they were quiet, and to kind of go off of what you were saying, I didn't watch a ton of Memphis basketball. But, I mean, they handled the Spurs three out of four times. The, the, I mean, or I'm sorry, two out, two out of four times. I think do people split. know that? I, was I, mean, saying, I think they, they, they split. They split. Like, I, I mean – I just – the magnitude of that to me and knowing that Memphis has kind of always had it out for San Antonio, it seems like, and San Antonio isn't going to necessarily play in a way that Memphis is going to be like, oh, we've got to change this pace. I feel like San Antonio is going to play the kind of basketball that Memphis is comfortable playing. That being said, I can't see, you know, Kawhi and – LaMarcus Aldridge and Pagasal going down in the first round. I think they win, but I think it's going to be six games. I think they might get tested a little bit early.
0: Yeah, I also had the Spurs in six. I think no Tony Allen really hurts Memphis. Obviously, he's out, I think, for at least the first round. He might be out for like a month, I think, is what I heard. Uh, I mean, the big concern is who guards Mike Conley on this team, the San Antonio team with a, a Tony, uh, Tony Parker, who is two steps behind what he ever used to be. Patty Mills, obviously not a defensive juggernaut. Um, is it Danny Green? That's possible. Um, The other thing, Memphis fans, you can ask me, do I need to have been watching Memphis this season to know what to expect, or is this just like the same Memphis team that I got the last four years? Because your big addition was Chandler Parsons, and obviously he's gone uh, $90 million down the drain. So is this, I mean, it could very well just be, you know, just your old-fashioned Grizzlies team, who is very entertaining, who is a personal favorite of Andy and I on the show. We love the grit and grind. uh, But what I'm saying is Spurs and Six. And I don't need really to know much about the Memphis Grizzlies this season to know how to make that prediction. And an interesting so,
1: tidbit before we move on is in, in four matchups, only one team ever scored 100 points, and it was the Grizzlies. Yeah, so, they scored 104 in one game. Every other game was like 95 to 89. You know, <laughs> There was an 89 to 74 game that Memphis won. So I, I think, again, the pace really doesn't necessarily negate either team.
0: So we're going to move on to Houston, Oklahoma City, which is an obvious watch for so many obvious reasons, the Wes McCartan show. Before I compliment you, Andre Roberson, and, and get to Andy, I still want to know, I still don't understand how you can't shoot a corner three. It baffles my mind. You, this is the only thing you should be doing in the offseason, Andre Roberson. Andy, what do you think about this season? Or what do you think about this series?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think this is the, This is probably V one that everybody's, you know, looking forward to most. Um, you know, you're talking the two leading candidates for MVP, two ex-teammates, two of the most exciting point guards. Yeah, B. Austin, Russell Westbrook is a point guard, now James Harden is too, and you hate it. <laughs> but these, these two, this is what we needed to see, and I think it's going to go the distance. I have Houston in seven.
0: So I think more importantly than the Westbrook-Harden matchup is the defensive matchup on each end. Obviously, like I just said, Andre Roberson, I, I, I kind of really don't understand your offensive game, but I do understand your defensive game. Uh, one of the best defenders in the league. I think he will be stuck on Harden for a lot of the series, and I think it will be a very entertaining matchup. Obviously, on the other end, we know much about the Westbrook-Beverly history, and, I mean, Westbrook is just going to try and probably kill him at some point in this series. And, I mean, literally, like, he might just bring a shank, a shivs, old-school, like, Oz season five, just, you know, right right into the court. Uh, I, I can see it coming. I see a potential for an OKC upset, I'm not going to lie. Uh, not to sound too Charles Barkley-ish, but shooters can go cold for a series, and I think Houston, more so than any other team in the league, really relies on the three ball, really relies on shooting and, and having players hit shots. And especially, you know, if those players are having to work hard on the glass, like your Ryan Anderson, your Trevor Rees, those guys like that, and if you, if you for some reason, lose Patrick Beverly and then you have to have, like, a Eric Gordon or Lou Williams or any of these guys having to defend Russell Westbrook for any uh, series of time, um, I think you're going to see some, you know, legs, obviously, is, is going to factor in. So I can see how that could happen. Um, OKC does have to dirty the waters a bit, which is why I think Tosh Gibson and Steven Adams, if they can stay on the floor together, can win OKC this series. I'm going with... Oklahoma City in seven games. I, yes. I was I, was, I was flip-flopping back and forth. I had OKC in seven written. The more I'd, I heard you talk about Houston, I wanted to go Houston, but the Westbrook Revenge Tour to Golden State survived. So maybe I'm just doing it for the narrative. I don't know. I got OKC in seven.
1: Well, I think, I mean, one of the best points you can make for this series is when you talk about the Barkley factor saying, you know, shooters can go cold for a series. I also, in a sense... That hurt To me, that hurts Harden more than it hurts Westbrook because I don't think that Westbrook, it even factors into his mind when you talk about going cold because if you say, oh, Westbrook's cold, he's missed like nine shots in a row, Westbrook's going to dunk it for the 10th shot, and right. he doesn't care. And it's he, he's just one of the, I think, West, when you talk Russell Westbrook, he's like the first player that comes to mind for me when you talk about a guy who... You know, two games ago or three seconds ago doesn't make a difference to him what was going on. It's here and now, and I think that that in itself is probably one of the hardest skills to hone as an athlete, and that could change the series. I'm sticking, though, Houston and seven.
0: Yeah, yeah, Westbrook definitely has that quarterback mentality that we think of with great NFL quarterbacks where he doesn't really think about an interception. Uh, real quick, we're going to go Clippers in Utah. Uh, that is our last series. This series is not for you new basketball fans. If you want to see three it's school board, Please turn on that turn the channel. You can turn to that OKC Houston series. We're talking point guards running plays, white boys shooting clutch shots, and two big men on the floor at the same time for each team. That's right, four big men on the floor, all like seven feet tall. Um, I was ready to pull the trigger on the Utah, turning the Clippers into complete and utter rebuild mode if they had the four C, but they let it go. Uh, Ty goes to the home court for the Clippers in seven.
1: I'm going with Utah in six. Um, I Ooh. think that you, you talked about the matchups. The two bigs at the same time. I think Derek Favors is a good matchup against Blake Griffin. And I think, you know, Rudy Gobert and DeAndre Jordan. My two fantasy basketball centers, thank you for the championship to both of you. But I think Gobert, I'm going to give him the edge. I think that, you know, it still can be said that defense wins championships. And I think Utah's defense, uh, the emergence of Gordon Hayward, I think they're going to get him in six. And I've been on the Clippers bandwagon too long. I'm falling off.
0: Yeah, no, I like it. I mean, I could definitely see Utah winning. It, it's, it's really, I really want to see Utah win just because I think it's time for that Clippers team to go, and I think a first-round exit will finally just put the last nail in that coffin. Um, I will say that the the 185 to 78 stinker these teams are going to put up at some point in the series is just going to be a brutal watch. This is going to be awful. Um, real quick, Andy, who do you think is going to be the MVP of the first round? Obviously, there's always one guy that really stands out that has a great series. I think we all remember the LaMarcus Aldridge-Portland series as, as a great example of that. Uh, pick a guy who you think is going to be the guy of the first round.
1: To me, it's going to probably have to come in, in a tighter series. So I, I think I'm going to go with James Harden because I think that Houston's gonna win that series. I think if if the Thunder win it, it's gonna be Westbrook. So, but I'm gonna go with James Harden. I think he's got it. I think he's gonna supply plenty of entertainment.
0: Yeah, I think you might see if especially if Houston wins that series, you're gonna see a ton of well, that's why he should have won the M V P, you know, regardless of whether yep. he wins or not, you're gonna see you're gonna see a lot of that. Um I'm gonna go with Giannis just based on my upset. I think he'll get, you know, two Two triple-doubles or maybe one triple-double and one, you know, one rebound or one assist away from a triple-double kind of thing.
1: And in the upset, I think he
0: will be the story of the first round. That is our playoff preview and our MVP picks. That has been this week of the NLP Podcast. Please join us next week as we continue our journey around the NBA. We'll definitely be back next week, we promise. And we will be going through the playoffs, everything that's transpired. Um, Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash NLPpod. Follow us on Twitter at nlp podcast. We will end, as we always do, with the great philosopher Jason Whitechapel Williams, who once probably thought basketball is a lot like last call at the bar. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night.